you have your cell phones, you might want to put them on vibrate or silence or whatever you do with those. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Do you really believe that? <laughs> Even in the midst of the storm? Yeah, you bet. That's when you need him the most, amen? Well, we have a birthday girl here. She finally reached my age. We're both 29. Actually, she's 29. But Kim Camp, it's her birthday today. So let's sing happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kim. Birthday. She feels loved and warm. Kids tried to sing to her yesterday. She says, not my birthday. Give me a break. One day. <coughs> Had a good ladies night out of here? All right. Steak was good? I wouldn't know. We weren't there. So. You had country fried steak? You do? No. <laughs> I mean, yes, I do, but no. Now, I would love to have it, but no, I can't have it. <laughs> Anything that's rich, satisfying, delicious is fattening. Amen? Oh, she did. Gravy on the side? Well, I can lap it up over there as good as I can on it. So. Oh, my goodness. We need to move on. Yes, ma'am. Right in front of us, God has brought us gifts. They sit right up here. They're gifts. They're not visitors. A visitor you don't expect. A guest you do. A gift you're grateful for. So they're gifts. Amen. <coughs> they want to know. They do want to know. So take a moment to share with them. And ha They're watching us, by the way. If you're not praising the Lord, then they're going to have a hard time praising the Lord. If you've got a sourpuss look on your face, they'll think it's that's the way Christians are supposed to look. So smile every now and then. Just throw it at them every now and then. Have you noticed when I said hug and howdy, how many they all take off and do that? Geneva was trying to get up to me, her pastor, but she was tackled by four of them. You know, I mean, she just couldn't get up. I love it. It's. Uh, it's a gift that God's given us. We need to rejoice in it. Amen. I tell you, the first time I picked those kids up at the apartment in the big bus, I was a little intimidated. Because the dads of those kids were standing outside watching me put those kids on our bus. And they were looking at me, not with a smile on their face. Now when I pull in there, they do this. I assume that's, hey, how you doing, preacher? You doing all right? Everything doing I never get a word, I get that's about it. But they come get on that bus. If they forget their Bible, they run back to their apartment and get it. In fact, I heard one mom saying, You don't have your Bible. Kids stopped halfway and went back. That's awesome. Grateful for what Chrissy and uh, Kathy are doing, these kids back there. It's just awesome. 
Uh, as a leadership team, we've asked Chrissy to spend more of her gifted time because she's gifted to work with these little guys. I mean, she loves these teenagers, but, you know, they, you have to love them in a different way. You have to love them with a lot of love. But uh, she's really got a gift for these little guys, doing a good job. Last in our series here, the difference a day makes. We're in Mark 16, so turn there in your Bibles, Mark 16. We're going to look at the first eight verses of that chapter. You ever been amazed at how fast life can change? I mean, things are one way one day and they're holding together different the next day. Uh, one day a spouse is here, the next day they're gone. One day you think you're well, and the next day you're critically ill. One day everything in your life's going well, and the next day everything falls apart. One day it happens that there's no hope in your situation, and then the next day the problem's been solved. And it's true that many changes can occur over the course of one day. If you lived in Greece, you had money. And one day later, you didn't have any. (laughs) They were standing in an ATM line for three hours to get $70. That was the max they could withdraw. I didn't care that on paper you had $9 million in the bank. You could only get 70 Because in Greece, everything was free. Health care, anything you need, it's all free. Government pays for it. (laughs) Where are they today? Things change. Quick. Quick. What a difference a day makes. Never more true than the day Jesus rose from the dead. He was crucified. It was a dark, terrible day. Sun went down that night and As it went down, the hopes and dreams of all the Lord's disciples and followers went with that day. Mark is the only gospel writer that speaks of that day, that dreary Sabbath that passed between the day Jesus died and the day He rose again from the dead. And I'm sure it was a long, miserable day for those who loved the Lord and followed Him. But what a day, a difference makes. Mark moves us beyond that tragic Saturday to a victorious Sunday, and the world will never be the same. And I'd like for us to look today a little bit, for a little while, at the events of that first Lord's Day, the day Jesus rose from the dead. And why is that so important? That day is important Because the events of that day have made a difference in every day since then and those yet to come. That day makes a difference because what happened on that day has influenced many people and many people in this room this morning. That day is important because what happened that day can make a difference in your life today. So let's look at these events that occurred at the tomb that was just outside of Jerusalem, the morning Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so we're going to preach to you today about what a difference a day makes. And I want that day to make a difference in your life today. So Mark starts out in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 16, describing for us a ministry of love. 
a ministry of love. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Let's read together verses 1 through 3. You follow along in your Bible. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the Mary mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? So we see three things here. Number one, in verse one, we see their desire. These three women mentioned in these verses, they observed the long, dark Sabbath day. They rested in their homes, as was the command of the law. I mean, they had witnessed just the day before the death of Jesus Christ. They watched His body as it was placed in a tomb and a big stone rolled away in front of the opening. Not rolled away, but rolled in to cover the opening of that tomb. Sealing His body inside. And and at sundown and the Sabbath began, the women went to their homes to wait. And the Sabbath ended on Saturday at sunset. They emerged from their home... They went into town and they purchased sweet spices to anoint the body of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had already wrapped the body in linen strips and poured embalming spices on the body. (coughs) And the perfume these women were intending to use would serve the purpose of masking the smell of decomposition. So they go out on Saturday night and they make their purchases. Their intention is to go to the tomb the next morning and perform this one final act of love and service to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was a way that they were going to have closure to his death. And then in verse 2, Mark describes their devotion. You see, in that society, most people arose just before dawn around 530 But it would appear that these women got up earlier than that. They rose from their beds, gathered their spices together, made their way from Bethany, which is about two miles. Their love and devotion to the Lord Jesus is seen in this labor of love, what they were intending to do with those spices. They were brokenhearted over His death. And they're in a hurry to get to Him so that they might minister to Him one final time. And then Mark lets us see in verse 3 that they had doubts. Because as they walked, they kept talking about the stone over the door of the tomb. I mean, it must have dawned, dawned on them that they, after they purchased the spices, that they might have trouble accessing the body. The tomb had been sealed by this large stone. Some estimates, estimates of that stone's weight was about a thousand pounds. Now, I don't know about you, but I know Jace, he can move a thousand pounds, no big deal. Just roll it right out of the way. Not even Taylor could do that. Not even Big T. Big T and Taylor together, I don't think, can move a thousand pounds. However, there was a Jinx Trojan this week who weighs 195 pounds that squatted 545 pounds twice. Maybe he could do it. (laughs) A thousand pounds don't he? Three women are going to move a thousand pound stone. So they were troubled. You see what I'm saying? They were concerned that they did not be able to get to the body of Jesus. They were concerned. But they were also oblivious to the fact that the Jewish leaders had convinced Pilate that the Lord's disciples might try to steal the body. So the Jews believed that the disciples would take the body 
and claimed that Jesus was still alive. So Pilate posted Roman guards by the tomb, had the tomb sealed and, and his official seal, his official mark put on the rock. And Pilate did that for the Jews. Had they known about that, their fear would have been even stronger as they were on their way to the tomb. But I want you to realize that these women made their way to the tomb that morning filled with sorrow, with grief, with fear. They weren't going there looking for a living Lord. They were looking for a dead body. (coughs) And so do you really know what their problem was? Which is the same problem that we struggle with now? It was that they were still living in Saturday. They were still living in Saturday. When that awful Saturday dawned, all they could see was the shattered remains of hopes and dreams. These ladies, along with the Lord's followers, had placed all their faith and confidence in Jesus. They believed He was the Messiah. They believed He was the one who was going to fulfill all the ancient prophecies. They believed that He was the one who would Be the king of Israel. They believed that he would establish God's kingdom on earth. All their hopes for life and eternity bound up in their belief in Jesus. And then, all their hopes, all their dreams crumbled to the ground as they stood there at the cross and watched him die. Faith turned to grief, grief to utter hopelessness. And they saw his broken body taken down from the cross, placed in a tomb. And when that stone was rolled across the door of that grave, it it was a ringing statement. It was all done. That stone said to the ladies and to the disciples and the followers of Jesus, It's all over. Hope is gone. There's no future. There's no salvation. There's no kingdom. Jesus is dead. It's all over. If the story of Jesus ended with Him being buried in a tomb and with a stone being rolled across the door, there absolutely would be no hope today. Our memory verse, 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen: If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And there were so many in our day that are living in Saturday. And they don't even realize that Sunday's come. They don't even know that the victory is theirs. They don't even know that the war has been won. <laughs> because they're living in Saturday. People move through this world enslaved by their sin. They move through this world oblivious to God who exists to save them. They move through this world without joy, without peace, without hope, trapped in their sins. <coughs> <coughs> And headed to hell. And the problem with the majority of people is they're stuck in Saturday. They live in darkness of their sins and wickedness and are unaware of that unspeakable joy full of glory that could be theirs if they only knew that the tomb was empty. If they only lived like the tomb was empty, they'd have a, they'd have a victory story that they couldn't contain. So Mark tells us about the ministry of love, and then in verses 4 through 6, he tells us about a message of life. Let's take a look at those verses. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. (coughs) Although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. 
or they were frightened. And he said to them, don't be frightened, don't be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He is risen. Has risen. Past tense. He's not here. Behold, there is the place where they laid him. So when the ladies arrive at the tomb, their fear is changed to amazement. Mark says is when they looked, see they walked toward the tomb, heads were bowed, eyes downcast from sorrow and grief. As they neared the tomb, they lifted their eyes. And they saw that that massive stone had been rolled away from the door. And that tomb was wide open. <laughs> wide open. They didn't know that before they arrived that morning. There had been a great earthquake. An angel had rolled that stone away. They know that the earthquake and the appearance of the angel frightened the Romans' guard. They didn't know that, and so they, they, those guys fled that scene. But all these women see is the tomb is open. And so then, their mind begins to go to the worst case scenario. Isn't that the way we do? The mind immediately goes to the worst case scenario. So they were afraid that the Lord's enemies had taken His body. They were also overcome with new fears that the body of the Lord might be subjected to indignities like they'd never seen before. Before, I mean, they'd observed Him being beaten, spit on, and cursed. So they had no idea what was going to happen now. Seeing that stone rolled away must have put a chill in their hearts. So they ran the rest of the way to the tomb so they could see for themselves. And when they got to the tomb and got inside the tomb, they found this young man sitting on the right side, clothed to them in a strange garment. And we know from the other gospel accounts that it was no ordinary young man. It was an angel. And the angel speaks to the women. has a message for them. It's a message designed to help them stop living in Saturday. It's a message designed (coughs) to help them experience the power of Sunday in their lives. (coughs) Let's look at the components of that message. All in verse 6. It was a message of peace. He tells them, don't be amazed or afraid. When they saw the angel, they were filled with fear. The word amazed or afraid literally means to be struck with terror. They see this angel, they're overcome with fear. He speaks to them and offers them a message of peace. He tells them that there's no need to fear. Things are not as they appear on the surface. And by the way, they never are. Nothing is as it appears to be. Just stop and wait. Cast all your cares and anxieties upon the Lord because He cares for you. When it looks the darkest is when it can become the brightest because of our faith in Almighty God. I'll wait for you. Then they, then, then Mark tells us about the message of power in the second part of that verse 6. He tells them that he knows why they're there. He knows that they've come looking for the body of Jesus and he confirms what they already know because Jesus was crucified. He did die. They were not deceived by what they saw. They really did see Jesus nailed to a cross. They really did see His blood flow from His body. They really did see Him yield up His spirit. They really did see Him die. He wants them to know that His cry of, It is finished, did not mean He was finished. 
<laughs> oh, he died, but he didn't stay dead. That's the problem with Jesus. He didn't stay dead. Hallelujah. He is risen. And the angel wants him to know that the power of death has been swallowed up by the far greater power of life. That empty tomb is a place of glory, a place of power, a place of hope. I'll wait. The fact is, if Jesus died on the cross and did not raise again or rise again from the dead, everything that we live for and believe as Christians means absolutely nothing. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm sure we get our memory verse, but I want to look at a few other verses and, and explain to you the importance of the resurrection. In verse 13, if Christ is not risen, He died in vain, He lied, and He had no power to save then, and He can't save any more today. In verse 14, our preaching is a waste of time. It's a big lie. We can help no one. Everybody's going to hell because they got no Savior. If He didn't rise from the dead, our faith is foolish. All we do, praying, studying, witnessing, working, hoping, holiness, praising. It's a waste of time. It's an absolute waste of time. You should be home now to sleep. You should just now be getting up. It's close to noon. I mean, some churches are running five, six, seven services a weekend. Why? Because they get a lot of money for those. Okay, yeah, that may be. I mean, if you got big outfits, you got to have a whole lot of money to make the outfit go. Amen? All this remodeling we're doing here at the church, it's all paid for. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? We're not going in debt. We don't plan to. They have no desire to. Little by little. The next thing we need to do is hire a carpet cleaner. Because this sanctuary really needs it. If you hadn't seen it. We moved some chairs, you'd see it. In fact, I'm going to have you help me move the chairs. So we can clean the carpet. I digress. Verse 15. 1 Corinthians 15. All Christians are liars. Testimony is false. We're mentally deranged. If He hadn't risen from the dead. Verse 17. If He hadn't risen from the dead, we're all lost in our sins. A dead Savior can't save anybody. <laughs> if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, verse 18, our departed loved ones are gone forever. They're not burning in hell anyway and we're just waiting to join them. Verse 19. Our memory verse. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, we too are to be pitied. <laughs> How pitiful are we if we believe in a dead Jesus? If He hasn't risen, according to verse 20, He is risen. And because He is, all the negatives are transformed into positives. He's able to save the soul, able to give us life, able to change us from vile creatures into His image for His glory. Amen. He brings us from the left side over to the right side and we are now joint heirs with Him in heavenly places. Amen. God loves us as much as He loved His Son because that's the way Jesus made it. Because He did rise. Well, preacher, were you there? Did you? Say, well, I'm old enough to probably have been there. No, I wasn't there. But I've got faith. Which Mark tells us in the latter part of that verse, 
that it was a message of proof. It was after telling the women that Jesus had risen from the dead, the angel invited them to take a look at the place where the body had been. And as they looked, we're told what they saw in John 20. says they would have seen the cloth, cloth, cloth strips that had been wrapped around the body still lying there undisturbed, and if the body had simply, as if it had just passed right through them. They would have seen the napkin folded. And laid to the side. They would have looked upon the scene of absolute calm and order. It was not the kind of scene that they would have witnessed had people taken or moved the body. The message from that empty tomb is that Jesus is alive. And for 2,000 years, skeptics have tried to prove that the resurrection did not take place. They have thought up every kind of wild theory (coughs) about the empty tomb. Every theory is put to rest because of that empty tomb. If the Jews had taken the body, they would have produced it when the disciples started preaching the resurrection. If the disciples had taken the body, they would not have died for a lie. That missing body has always been impossible for the skeptics to overcome. That resurrection is your faith drive. That resurrection is what gives you hope. That resurrection is why you get up on Sunday and you get to church. That resurrection is why you pray. That resurrection is why you read the Bible. That resurrection is why you have hope. That resurrection is why you found the water of grave of baptism and you've risen to walk in a new life. That resurrection is what makes you go every day. Amen. The empty tomb, it preaches today. That tomb still tells the world that Jesus is alive and He's able to save us. And anybody who comes to Him by faith, I'm telling you, if you're still trapped in the deadness and darkness of your sins, if you're stuck in Saturday, He's ready for you to move to Sunday. He's ready for you today to move to Sunday. Quit waiting. Get up and make it happen. But before we do, Mark's got one more part of the message for us. He had a ministry of love. He showed us a message of life. And then verses 7 and 8 deal with a mission of liberation. A mission of liberty. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there <coughs> as he told you before he died. Verse 8, the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were frightened. But in verse 7, Mark tells us about a command. The angel sends them away from the tomb, carrying the message of the resurrection. They went away, though frightened, though bewildered, they went away with the right message. And let me say today, you should leave this room with the right message. And that message is Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. It's not Saturday. It's Sunday. Hallelujah. He's alive. Amen. We've got hope. That's right. And I don't care who the president, who the, who the secretary of state is. I don't care who any of that stuff is. Because my God is on the throne. My God is living for me. My God is out of the tomb. And my God is ready to save your soul. Amen. Come alive, folks. Because in verse 8, there was a change that happened. There was a change that happened. Their amazement changed to hope. That phrase of 
were amazed. It, it literally means being overcome with the awe of a, a, a religious nature. They were so in awe. You ever been in awe of anything? When I was on a cruise ship going to Alaska, I was in awe of the little seals, of their baby seals, sitting on a little iceberg, flapping at us as we went by. Well, they didn't flap. I made that up. I saw the whales jump up out of the water. Dolphins swimming by the big boat. I saw scenery I could only imagine of seeing. I saw streams running out of mountains. Oh my goodness. And the weather, the weather in June was 58 degrees. Hallelujah. Because you see, when we're in the Lord, and we're in the power of God, there is nothing but amazement. Your life every day should be full of amazement. How can you look at a baby and not be amazed? How can you not? How can you look at little kids sitting on the front row, knowing you, you can only imagine the environment that they live in, and yet they're hungry for the Word of God. They're hungry to learn. Why does somebody write down the note about prayer? What's this communion thing? They're in awe. Love it. And then Mark tells us about the consequences. He tells us that they did not talk about what they had seen and heard with anyone along the way. And we know from the other gospel writers that they did run to find the disciples and to tell them. But that news affected the disciples. See, they weren't the ones that went first. It was the women that went first. Have you noticed that in church? The women usually are the leaders at church. They're the ones leading in spiritual things. I get, I want to hit a man right between the eyes who tells me, I saw for the women and the kids to go to church. I don't need it. I want to walk right over there with a two by four and hit him as hard as I can. And maybe three days later when he gets up, hit him again. Until he figures out that he's the spiritual leader of that home and that's the problem they've got. It's him. It's him. In New York, they calculated how many black babies are aborted and how many are actually going to live birth. <laughs> it's almost two to one that are killed in the womb. Black lives matter unless they're still inside mama. And you've heard what I've heard. If you haven't heard, shame on you. I thought abortion was bad. But what they're doing now, that's an abomination of God. Because that baby is a creation of God. And so they're destroying the creation of God before it ever has a chance. And doing it to buy a Lamborghini. Really? God help us. And when are we Christians going to start getting back to the voting booth? Well, there ain't nobody to vote for. Do your homework. Do your homework. Every life matters. I love a little panda bear. I saw a cartoon or a little poster. Panda bear said, hey, I'm black, I'm white, and I'm Asian. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. 
We have our black brothers here. We've got our black kids coming here. I don't see color. Do you see it? I don't see it. They don't see it. Oh, God, would you come quickly? But you see, the news affected the disciples. Many of them ran to the tomb to, to, to verify what the women told them. We're told that John looked in, he saw the evidence, and he believed. Later that day, Jesus would appear to more of the disciples, and the message of these women caused even more stones to be rolled away. What stone do you need rolled away? What stone do you need rolled away? When are you going to get away from Saturday and start living in Sunday? Don't worry about what's going on Saturday. Know that the victory has been won. When are you going to start living that way? Come on! When are you going to live that way? I had somebody ask me about Bryant. They said, didn't you have a coach that had cancer? I said, no. We don't. He said, you don't? I said, no, he don't have cancer anymore. Oh, he did. But he don't. He, and this guy looked at me like, What? I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, dis- to disappoint you. But God healed him. He goes, oh, you, you can't ever get rid of cancer? I said, you got it? <laughs> I believe the doctor lied to you when he said you healed. I mean, you can't get rid of it. God can do whatever He wants to. We've got living proof. We've got living proof. We've got living proof. Not three of them just on this side. Power of the resurrection. When the resurrection is first encountered and believed, it fills the heart with amazement. When the Lord's resurrection is embraced by faith, it brings about a change in the life of the person who receives that truth. And when the death and resurrection of Jesus, the very gospel of the Lord, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is embraced, new birth can take place. New life is not perfect, but it's different. Oh, what a difference a day can make. On, Sunday, on Saturday, everything looked bleak, barren, and dead. And on Sunday, everything changed. On Sunday, the stone was rolled away. And the world would never be the same. On Sunday, some struggling believers had the stones rolled away from their hearts. They heard the good news that Jesus was alive. They believed that message and it changed their lives. They shared that message with others who were trapped in the darkness and deadness of their Saturdays. And many of those people believed and the stones were rolled away from their hearts. They're saved and they started enjoying the Sunday of His glorious presence. Just as He raised Lazarus from the dead, He can raise you from the dead. But He can't do anything until you're ready to leave Saturday and come to Sunday. Father, I ask you this morning to convince the hearts of your people here how important it is to move away from Saturday. To move away from grief. To move away from temptation. To move away from what holds us back. And Father, to move to that glorious day of resurrection. To move to that day when the stone was rolled away. To move to that day when victory was won. 
And when Jesus came out of the tomb, His words, it is finished, took on a whole new meaning. Not only, not only was death finished, but life began. So God, would you give us courage today? Just one person who will move from Saturday to Sunday. God, we've got a big open area up here in the front. And we want to encourage people to come and just fall on their knees to you. Calling out to you as we sing this song. And Father, would you move in them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Great song. Let God move in your heart. And if He is, would you respond to Him? Just come on up and pray if that's what you need to do. Oh, to Jesus I